Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. I'm Shane Hewitt on The Shift. I'm joined by Barry Bowman now. Um, the guy who uh, accidentally went on an accidental treasure hunt and accidentally found golden treasure in the form of new music. Hi, Barry. <laughs> I've never heard that expressed that way before. That sounds, uh, that's kind of cool. So, uh, Barry, you were a radio guy way back in the day. Um, and this is how your uh, introduction to Joni Mitchell started? Well, I was, yeah, I was, I was a, practically uh, just a newbie. I was a baby announcer, hadn't been in the business for more than about a year, and I was doing the all-night show. And, uh, of course, during the, during the day, you know, while everybody's at work, I was out playing with people who were doing the same graveyard shift as I was. And that would encompass a lot of uh, college students, student nurses, and, uh, and uh, this young lady by the name of Joni Mitchell, who was uh, a, a model and an art student, and she was singing in coffee houses, trying to make a little bit of money to pay for her art lessons. And, uh, you know, it was the summer of 1967. What can I say? She had a ukulele and we had the case of beer and, uh, and there was the Saskatchewan River and the sunshine. And that's how we kind of spent our afternoons. So one day I thought possibly if she wanted to pursue something more than, than just singing in coffee houses, she, might, she really needed a manager or an agent. So uh, with the radio station that I belonged to, I said, why don't you come on up one night and we'll... Uh, slap a tape on it. We'll record some audition material for you, which we did. I basically just uh, propped her up on a stool on the other side of the big glass, came in, hit record, and let her roll. So the outcome of that one, Shane, was uh, two reel-to-reel tapes, basically, which, which then totaled nine cover folk songs, nothing that we ever would call her original material. And... Uh, I gave her a copy of that. I took the master, and uh, basically after a couple of years, or even less than that, we parted company. She went her way, I went mine. And uh, it wasn't long before I was listening to Joni Mitchell on everything. And yeah. I suddenly realized, this is the same lady that I used to date and was up at the radio station. And uh, by the way, a good plug to CFQC, by the way, I should mention. God Absolutely. bless her, she's not around as the old QC anymore, but... I digress. So anyway, I uh, tried to get a hold of her and she was doing her thing and, you know, 50 plus years passed. Well, there was one time when she did actually, she mailed me an old 45 or uh, 45 in those days, one of her new ones. And it was written by her and sung by uh, George Hamilton, the fourth country singer, Urge for Going. Little note inside said, hey, Barry, if you could, maybe you could slip this on your morning show at the time when I was in Victoria. Uh, I wish I had that note, too, but that's another thing that's gone forever. So how am I doing, Shane? Is this uh, kind of getting the picture here? Oh, it's beautiful, man. I think the, uh, you keep, you're keep you a good storyteller, Barry. I like it. You just I'll jump in when okay. uh, if I need to jump in. I think it sounds fantastic. You, you just share your heart with us. Well, the years went by, and uh, I got married. I got divorced. I was the father of a couple of girls, and... Uh, I still recall those tapes from time to time when I would relay this story. And, of course, I got sort of furrowed brows from everybody. And, you know, so what? 
until one day, uh, years later, uh, now I'm married and um, girls of my own, and my eldest daughter came over from Vancouver to uh, pay us a visit, and she said, my mom thought maybe you may want to have some of this stuff that's in this box. And I jokingly actually even said, you know, I wonder if those Joni Mitchell tapes are there. And as I said that, I unearthed or I moved a few tapes around. And there was one box, very familiar, exactly the same thing as I had left over 50 years ago. I realized there was a second box. I thought maybe there's only just one at the time. Sure enough, there were two boxes. And as I said, nine songs in total. Wow. So now what do you do? I got this tape. I got Joni Mitchell or Joni Anderson, as it said on the tape label. So I called my friend David Foster. Sorry, name, name drop. I should. So I called this guy named David Foster. Who lives in Victoria. <laughs> name drop away. Yeah. <laughs> Day, uh, David couldn't offer much more than, you know, are you sure it's 1963? I said, absolutely sure. I certainly wouldn't forget that. Um, he put me on to a, an executive over at Verve records they were famous for collections like bob dylan and jazz and the complete co collection of everything that gentleman said are you sure again it's 1963 i said yes he looked at his records and said you know what he said i i, I can't see anything in 1963 that says Joni anderson Joni mitchell anybody he said you may have the only existing tapes oh i should i should also add uh, the night after I did that, I went back to work on the all-nighter, as I mentioned, and I played a couple of those tunes. So I think I'm, I probably even played Joni Mitchell on commercial radio for the first time. Wow, you might have been the first one to play her on the radio even. <laughs> I know. So good. So now we've got the tapes. Now we have to get a hold of Joni and ask her permission to do whatever with them. I had no idea what to do with them, but I surely wanted to get her, her permission and her blessings. I didn't realize at the time that Joni was having some physical or problems of her own because she was coming out of the, you know, the treatment of uh, uh, a severe uh, stroke that she had. So cut to the chase. Several more years later, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who was one of the crowd that we used to hang around in Saskatoon. He said, did you ever hear this book called uh, Reckless Daughter, which is the new book that had just come out about Joni. And he says, we're not in it. <laughs> he was surprised that we were supposed to be part of the story. <laughs> I said, I don't think that's probably a... But he says, well, I was talking to her personal assistant several years ago, and I can give you her name. So he gave me the personal assistant to Joni Mitchell. I emailed her, told her who I was, and said, I have these, uh, I have these songs. Well, it wasn't very long before we heard from Joni herself. And that started the ball rolling. And uh, not only did they want to hear them sometime, they wanted to hear them right away. Oh, I bet. So with that, she uh, said, there's two tickets waiting for you first class to come on down, visit us, have dinner at Joni's favorite restaurant, spend the weekend, bring the tapes, let's listen to them. And that's how we did it. Wow. So how was that? I mean, first, can I acknowledge the integrity that you have wrapped around this? Because... In today's world, so many people would have raced out to just get them out there for notoriety or whatever. And, and going about it the right way is, is, is 
really quite admirable. So I appreciate that, Barry. So you, Maybe I was just dumb. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> so you jump on the plane, you go see Joni Mitchell, you've got these tapes in hand. What was that yeah. moment like seeing Joni again? Because you haven't seen her in so long. She was just a, the girl next door when you knew her. And then now uh, she's had this whole career and uh, you get to see her again and the look on her face when you got to listen to the tapes. Yeah, um, we worked basically through Marcy, her personal assistant, on practically everything until we got to L.A. and into Hollywood where we were staying. Uh, we went to the restaurant, which we were assigned to do, and they said, Joni and her people will uh, join you in the restaurant. She did right at the very appointed time. She was in a wheelchair at the time, uh, Shane, and she was still in the process of getting physical training and trying to get uh, mobile after her stroke. Uh, very warm, very engaging, but I could tell that she probably didn't remember much about our relationship, which was not that short and it was not that long in, in her career. So I knelt down, I gave her a little kiss and I said, Joni, this is going to go two ways this evening. Either you're going to remember me and everything we did, or you're not. And if you don't, would you please pretend that you did tonight? You know, I just really wanted to make sure this was a special <laughs> night for both of us. She laughed and, uh, that started the evening, and we and I found out later that there was lots of stuff that she did remember. And uh, yeah, she was. In fact, we closed the restaurant that night. We were the last to leave. We gave her the tapes, and they drove off into the night. And I thought, by the way, that would be it. They were in the rightful place. They were there with Joni, and we were happy about that. Well, very shortly after that, just a few months ago. We got a call from Marcy, her special, her, her personal assistant, who said, you know what? We decided to release that, uh, those, those two tapes Wow! with those nine songs on it. I had no idea it would be a box set, but our, our nine songs are on one of the tapes called The Early Years. Wow. So you, now you accidentally... com, by the way, if you want to see the whole story. And there's the... Yeah. In fact, the liners... Oh, <laughs> and then she says, by the way, she said, can you... Since you know all the details about what we were up to in those days, can you write the liner notes on the back of the album for me and I'll put your <laughs> picture on the back of it? That's so Which, of course, is the biggest, biggest thrill of everything that I can imagine. So you've accidentally now um, got yourself a production credits. You've got <laughs> yeah. yourself uh, writing credits. Um, and, uh, you know, just innocently creating. It, it kind of speaks to the magic of creating and living into that. So what are you left with, Barry? Um, aside from, I don't know, I don't want to put any words in your mouth because I see it one way. So please tell me what, what you're left with here. I'll tell you what I'm left with. And I, I think it's something we should all think about and all remember. When you go through life and you meet people from time to time, you're going to say, well, you know, this is one of those great moments I'm going to remember forever. And you're going to tell your kids, Hey, guys, you know, when we do this together, you're going to remember this forever. Those are probably the memories that you'll never see. It's the ones that you don't think about, the things that you get just sort of in passing. Those are the ones I think that will come back and visit you as strongly as it did with me. And I think that's a good way to live your life. That's beautiful, Barry. Um, The way that I see it, and um, for anybody who, you know, is – you know, these times with COVID and everything going on, there's a lot of people that are, you know, kind of wondering why, why, why am I doing this? And what I see in the magic of what you did was you just lived into it, right? You lived into it, you created. And sometimes call it the butterfly effect, the ripple effect, whatever you want. Sometimes mm-hmm. we don't get to see the evidence of our hard work. 
And sometimes we do. And we often, uh, especially in today's world, get so wrapped up in, you know, well, I don't see the evidence. Where is the evidence? You know, I don't see any proof that this is working. But if you can live into the self-expression, being who you are, sometimes the evidence comes along where you least expect it. And the ripple effect that you have set out for all of these music fans, Barry, the butterfly effect and the acknowledgement for your work and the integrity of wrapped around how you brought it to be is now going to ripple across the planet for all of those music fans, the Joni Mitchell fans, everybody, everybody who has a story about someone that they knew that later became famous. Now you've provided that for everybody, Barry. That's what you created. I only wish I could share this, the feeling because it's, it's very special. Yeah. Yeah. It, I bet it like it, it just in your heart. How does it feel right now? The other thing that I, I guess I should add, and she mentions it on the liner notes in her album. She said that up until that time, she said, I was fighting the uh, designation as a folk singer. She thought it was kind of a crappy thing. She wanted to go into jazz and more popular commercial things, I suppose, and experimental. But she said, when I heard those tapes, and she said, they brought tears to my eyes. And she said, I suddenly realized then, yes, damn it, I was a folk singer and I should be proud of it. And so with that, I think that was the impetus that caused her to think about maybe taking those tapes and doing a bit more than just holding them in her own file cabinet. Yeah. And I'm so glad she did. Is it possible, Barry, that you were the first person to record her properly ever? Well, I don't know about properly, but from every, everybody who hears the uh, the results of it, they, re, they they remark about how clear it was and how beautiful it sounded and everything. So I'm giving 98% of that to Joni. All I did is, again, uh, as you can imagine, an old Ampex tape machine in Studio A, I just pushed the record button, mm-hmm. tweaked the little playback. They didn't even reverb. I just tweaked the playback a little bit to give her a bit of touch of echo and sat back and just... Um, let her work the magic. Oh, and, she, and the ukulele. She played only the baritone ukulele at the time. She was not playing a guitar even. Huh. 19 years old. Well, she, so she was playing in coffee houses, but I guess back then, 1963, um, access or even the notion of, hey, I'm going to record this and have a recording career would have still been probably so far-fetched. Yeah, I think she was still assuming that she was going to finish her art classes and become a commercial artist. And I think that's where everybody thought she was doing the coffee house thing was just to raise, you know, make some money to pay for her art lessons. Wow. So and good. she refers to her songs as her paint box. Really? Today. Yeah. The creative things that she can do with lyrics, that becomes, as she recalls them, her paint box, which I thought is very fitting. Uh, Barry Bowman. I can't thank you enough for sharing the story and sharing the time. Um, Thank you for sharing your heart with us. Uh, Thank you for being a model of integrity. Oh God, I get emotional just feeling like the, the integrity that you share by going about this the right way. And then what it's created for everybody else in the world to hear the music, Barry, like this is like, it's beautiful, Barry. Thank you so much. Just forget, don't forget, there are, there are, I think there are forces at work that uh, you got to be, you got to acknowledge. And thank you very much for uh, having me on too, Shane, and uh, God bless everybody out there tonight. 
Uh, thank you, Barry. Barry Bowman. Uh, you might recognize his voice from being on in your market because he worked radio all over. Uh, so good. 1963 uh, is when they recorded at CFQC in Saskatoon. And uh, Joni Mitchell's new box set comes out uh, very shortly. So I'm amazed by that. I, um, I hope it landed with you in a really incredible, special place, um, especially for, for Barry. I mean, I, what I hear in that, Matt and uh, Jason, is I hear, I mean, Barry started something so long ago and then, and then didn't get to see any of the evidence. And now it's going to touch the whole world. Like, that's so good. He had that treasure all along. Yeah. Treasure is a good word. All right. So uh, of the songs there, they're all folk songs and stuff like this. And, and I, you might not have known this. House of the Rising Sun was released in 1964 by the Animals. This was recorded in 1963 before the Animals even re uh, released it. Uh, House of the Rising Sun was uh, sort of an adapted folk song for a really, really, really long time. In fact, it was also known as Rising Sun Blues. And so... It's, it is an old folk song and, uh, the animals weren't, they were the first ones to commercialize it, but just think about what was going on here in Saskatoon in 1963. Uh, Joni Anderson, soon to become Joni Mitchell was just about to go on to a, uh, a whole career of all the bands that she worked with and songs that she wrote and everything else. And but a year before the animals even did it, she sat down with a ukulele in, in Saskatoon and recorded it. That's magic. Absolute magic. So JoniMitchell.com has all the information of this box set recorded in 1963 at CFQC with Barry Bowman. This is Joni Mitchell and House of the Rising Sun on The Shift. I'm Shane Hewitt. There is a house in New Orleans They call the it's been the ruin of many a poor girl and me, oh God, for one. If I had listened to what my mama said, I'd be at home. Almost run 
going to spend the rest of my days beneath that rising sun where one foot is on This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Are you okay with Joe Biden playing Despacito to woo Latin voters? Um, so this has escaped my musical bubble. Uh, so I don't really, I know Justin Bieber was involved in that song and it was a big hit at some point, but it completely was like a Frisbee over my head. (laughs) 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 So maybe we might have to defer to Jason on this one. Another, like a bad Frisbee throw, the kind that's on an angle when your buddy throws it and not only does it go over your head, but it goes way to the left. Yeah, bad throw, <laughs> bad throw, bad throw for sure. <laughs> All right, there, millennial. What's the answer? Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, can I? Can I? Can I? Can I? Because actually, uh, I would like to add. Is are you okay if I share your family, like your family heritage in this? Because I think you actually do have a voice in this one. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So Jason's Filipino, and so, yes, um, so he. Yeah, I mean, so as a guy, I mean, if someone played, if there was a Filipino pop star in America. I don't know who would be. Feel free to throw one in. Yeah. Um, um, but I mean, if if that was the case, is that offensive when you you see your, you see someone coming up running for for office and they're like, "Oh my God, they're playing," you know, Filipino pop star to try to win me over. I don't know. I don't no, know if that's I'll, a compliment. Yeah, I I feel okay. Here's here's my thing with it. I feel it's it's not racially offensive to do it, but personally for me, I'm just not okay with it. Because the way he did it, and, I, and a lot of politicians do this, a lot of um, celebrities, you know, people in power do this. It was so cringy. Like, I when I first watched this, well, when I first watched this clip, I literally had to suck in. Like, I felt like my body was sucking in from how bad it was. And the, and the thing is, too, the funny th- the funny thing about this clip was there's a bunch of like like Democrats like defending it. But if you think about it. If Trump did that, Democrats probably would have used that to use to go at Trump as well. So it's it's both sides, but I just thought this was the most cringiest thing I've seen so far from a politician this year. And I thought it was pretty hilarious. Well, and in all fairness of not making turning something into something that it's not, if Trump walked out to Kid Rock, nobody would be like surprised, right? Nah. Yeah. So no. Now, okay, let's listen to the clip and hear how it went. Joe Biden being introduced by Louis Fonzi, uh, who is a Latino singer and part of uh, a very big leader in the Latino pop uh, world. And they were kicking off with some remarks for Hispanic Heritage Month in Kissimmee, Florida. I just have one thing to say. Hang on here. (laughs) All right. There you go. Dance a little bit, Joe. Come on. I'll tell, <laughs> tell you what, if I had the talent of any one of these people, I'd be I'd be elected president by acclamation. <laughs> oh dear. You don't even have to see it to cringe. I was I was sucking in oh a lot of air God. there too. <laughs> how uh, how old does he sound? The only thing that he could have done to make that sound older would for him to call his grandson and ask him to help him turn on the song. That would have been the only thing that would have made that worse. How does Spotify work? Yep. Yeah. Oh, hey, I have a problem with my phone. Can you help me out here? Hey, um, Siri, now- can you play Despacito? 
Now there was no secret about <laughs> it was uh, it was to approach Latino uh, issues. It was a, I mean, it was an open conversation. There was no sneakery or subtle anything. It was 100% directed at Latino conversation. So there was, you know, they, just to be clear that it wasn't like some sort of cheesy ploy. Um, yeah, that's why Louis Fonzi was there. And that's what the conversation was about. But I, I give it a 100% rating on the cornball, at least, if nothing else. Uh, yeah. Right? Oh, shucks, man. You know, it couldn't be any more corny. Can we do another Are You Okay? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Squeeze one? Yeah. All right. Are you okay with an Instagrammer jumping into a pond to grab snakes? For social media popularity. Well, I guess we'll do anything for uh, for them clicks, but uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not I'm not that thirsty for fame. What kind of snakes live in ponds? Because this is not something I'm familiar with. Like, are they? There's a lot of snakes in ponds. I just kind of assumed maybe there was uh, fish in ponds. I'm no pond expert myself, but uh, all right, I'm not I'm not grabbing no snakes for nothing. All right. Let's ask the millennial. He likes Instagram. Oh, I, I love Instagram, but uh, to jump into water to grab a snake is uh, where I crossed the line. I think uh, this is uh, something that we talked about yesterday in the social media topic, but people will literally do anything th these days to get popularity on social media. And yeah. this is the problem. This is the main problem that like wow. you see from like Instagram. You hear that? He just threw all of his own under the bus. I'm not afraid, man. I'm not afraid. <laughs> Stand up to my people, my millennials. I tell it like All it right, is. Let's, let's hear the clip. Go, go, quick. I see him. I see him. <laughs> oh, I got him. Oh, yes. Oh, 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 yeah, my arm. Burmese python. No way. Oh, my goodness. My night is made. Oh, praise God. Burmese pythons can be found in a pond. <laughs> Burmese pythons. Pythons. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Those are okay, my... Those are not my you kind of pythons. You said snakes. That's not a snake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt's flexing in the studio for his pythons. So good. All right. No, I'm not okay with that. That is dumb. That is the dumbest thing in the world for clips. Uh, don't thank God for that. That's not God's <laughs> fault. That's your fault. Oh, man. He actually got bit in the eye by a snake in one of his videos, and he posted... Um, the picture of him getting bit by a snake because he's this this isn't the only stunt that he's done his whole his whole instagram page is filled with him jumping in water to grab snakes and it turns out one of the snakes actually bit him like over the eye uh yeah. and i mean i i don't wish that on anyone but i mean you're sort of asking for it sort of yeah you do wish that on people if you're gonna be that that is that is exactly what's supposed to happen darwin right there you can also find water moccasins in a pond says trucker dan another texture says snakes are inherently evil so yes we had a couple of texts about the anacondas uh in ponds and how that would be interesting man boy oh boy we're, res we're raising a generation of dummies sheesh this is the shift daily podcast I'm Shane Hewitt here on the shift. Uh, the shift. <laughs> Matt MacArthur is here as well. A little slip there. My apologies. <laughs> Matt MacArthur is here as well. So is Jason Manawas. <laughs> it was bound to happen at some point. This is it actually really the first was. time it's ever happened, I think. Thank you. Who knew that F was so important, hey? <laughs> it's a very important uh, letter in that word. <laughs> Unless it's telling you there. <laughs> it's been a, that kind of night, maybe. Thank you, CRTC. Um, 
Okay. I apologize for that little slip, everybody. Please accept my apology. 877 Oh, man. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so good. Anyway, uh, Kim Mitchell, we went into the break. And I, uh, I challenged Matt, can you learn a song in 30 seconds and then have a commercial break to figure it out? How'd that go? Uh, not too good. I'm still figuring out as we uh, go to air here. I think that's the first part. Yep. Um, that's just some aimless noodling. You can, um, you can pretty much do anything you want. I would be impressed at this point. Wow. Maddie... Yeah. So good. What's one of your What's one of your favorite natural go tos? That's not totally shreddy for everyone who's mellow at this time in the morning. Oh, you mean like song wise? Yeah. Like, is there something that you would just naturally pick up and riff away on? Because I'm curious to hear it if you if you don't mind. I don't know. Usually, when I pick up uh, pick up an axe here, I might just improvise or uh, if I'm writing something, I'll work on that. Um. I've been playing a lot of Sabbath, so a lot of just like real sort of heavy kind of stuff. Um, so I'm just thinking out loud here. I like it. Yeah. Keep thinking. Mostly just improvising, just keeping the uh, the fingers moving. Keeping the uh, fingers, the fingers, um, the fingers limber. Yeah, it's very important. You know, it's like riding a bike. And driving a car at the same time. Ranch texted in. He said, uh, that was payback. My little slip-up was my karma payback for having ranch on my bacon lettuce tomato sandwich because ranch, hate, ranch hates ranch. That's how to do it. Mm-hmm. Something by the... You're taking requests now on the text line here. Play something by the band is what the texture says. It's all request hour here with Matt MacArthur. The reason why we're here um, is because uh, we, um, we were talking about shopping habits. And shopping habits uh, during COVID have most certainly changed. And Maddie has done his own fair share of guitar shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy texted in and said, Matt and Shane, I just bought a Midas E3000 audio console by Dreamboard. COVID made me do it. LOL. I think that's what we should call this. COVID made me do it. <laughs> Since we're blaming everybody, right? Yeah. In- incidentally, I was Googling a picture of that board on the break, and it looks like a small spaceship. Oh really? Is it fancy? It's it's awesome. It's like a forty-eight track, I believe, oh, wow. board. So you can do a lot of a lot of overdubbing on that thing. You know, one of the um, one of the things I've never understood about our consoles is that we have these consoles that are like twenty-four tracks, thirty-six, uh, like like it's big, and we use three. I mean, not like some of the shows and the talk shows, but really, like some of the music channels, they use like three. It's great. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got a lot here. We've got connections. We've got news. We've got telephones. Got yeah. four different computers. We have got microphones. Got their computers. All kinds of stuff. Uh, Roadhammer says, "Sweet Matt, uh, I bought new guitars on the same day as Matt. A Schecter Hellraiser Diamond Series with a Floyd Rose." Ooh. I don't know what that the, is. Well, it's um. It's definitely built for shredding, that's for sure. Um, oh, really? Definitely built for comfort and built for uh, maximum finger velocity. Ooh, phalange velocity. Love it. Yeah. Uh, Aaron's asking for Wish You Were Here. Oh, yeah, I, I know that one. Um, right. I'm 
just for the sake of viewers out there, here. listeners, I mean, it, it'll sound different because I'm tuned differently, and I. But here's here's that riff. Hold on, let me get the mic down here. You can hear it pretty good. You've heard it a million times. <laughs> so good. I love it. Matt MacArthur, ladies and gentlemen, he's here all week. I'm here all week. Um, so we were talking about uh, shopping. Matt bought guitars at Christmas, uh, Christmas time, at COVID time, and everybody's doing this a little bit differently. The retail industry is seeing some big changes uh, in sales now that Canadians are spending more time at home or outside, doing things outside like humans, getting dirty. That's cool. Uh, Due to COVID-19 restrictions, Matthew Conrad takes a look at what people are buying during the pandemic. It has been a difficult one for the retail industry, but that doesn't mean Calgarians and Canadians haven't been treating themselves to some pandemic purchases. Matthew Conrad joins us now with more on what Canadians have been spending their money on these last several months. Oh, I can only imagine, Matthew. Good morning. (laughs) <laughs> Dallas, good morning to you. If you recall, when the pandemic first started, all Canadians could seem to buy was a bottled water, toilet paper, a hand sanitizer, and cleaning products. But there's definitely been a shift in what Canadians have been spending their money on uh, this last little while. And one of those things is musical instruments. Uh, this week, we spoke with uh, Dave Simpson. He is a manager at uh, Guitar Works. They've got three stores here in Calgary. He told us that when the pandemic hit and forced the stores that to shut their doors, they saw a big boom in purchases being made on their online shops. Uh, Simpson says they've seen nearly an even split in people buying acoustic and electric guitars as well as ukuleles and he attributes this to people spending more time at home and wanting to pick up a new hobby. You can go on Amazon and buy a bunch of puzzles or you can do something to um, kind of grow your skill set, do something that do something that maybe you've put off for a long time. So do we know uh, some of the other items that people have been buying or perhaps what other industries have performed well during these last six months? Yeah, that's right. The uh, the musical instrument industry isn't the only one that's been uh, thriving uh, during the pandemic. I spoke with the uh, Retail Council of Canada yesterday, and they told me that the home improvement and gardening industry has seen a big boost, uh, as well as the uh, baking, cooking, and craft cocktail products. Uh, The pet industry also performing very well, and with people also spending more time outdoors, uh, camping equipment, patio furniture, and uh, snowshoes for those cold months ahead have also been flying off the shelves. Uh, Michael Wonk with the Retail Council says with some Canadians having more money to spend, they've decided to put it elsewhere. The other thing is this shift of uh, disposable income into different places, right? Less trips, less spending in restaurants and bars, unfortunately at the expense of of our our friends in restaurants and bars. That's not good for the economy, but it it is a reality. And and people are commuting less. So I'm working from home. uh, So that means I'm spending less. I've gassed up my car three times this summer. Um, so I'm traveling less. I'm just putting less money in the in the tank. And LeBlanc, uh, LeBlanc also told me yesterday that with so much uncertainty in 2021, he expects a lot of these uh, shopping, these retail trends uh, to continue in the new year. Dallas, back to you. Very interesting. What have you bought over the past little bit? 
Well, I have I actually have bought some of those uh, cocktail making kits, and uh, I did buy some outdoor games, uh, some lawn games to play when I was uh, spending more outdoors uh, during those warmer months. So I definitely fell into some of those uh, patterns uh, that I uh, heard about this week. Ah, very interesting. Okay, thanks, Matthew. Well, it's interesting, the musical instruments thing. I mean, I, I'm such a proponent of that for kids to learn instruments and, and the, what it teaches for math and structure. It's so good. I absolutely love it. Uh, you know, what, what have you been? Here's the question. What have you been buying? What's different? What is your COVID made me do it? 877-399-9898. I think my COVID made me do it right now is an SUV. I, um, it might be a motorhome. So you never know. But it's one of those. Um, I think that could be my COVID made me do it. I haven't bought one yet. I'm still too cheap. I mean, I already shared with what, how much I spent at the dollar store. But really, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go big. So, Jason Manalis, what is your COVID made me do it? Oh, man. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm working from home, so I'm, I'm saving like a bunch of coin right now. So my, my COVID made me do it as sneakers. Like I've always sneakers. been a big sneaker guy. Yeah, but I've never had like the disposable income to buy, you know, the shoes that I've always wanted. So like the Air Jordans, like the Nikes. Oh man, I've been, I've been splurging on sneakers a lot. Also bought a car, the fart cannon that you guys made, that were uh, making fun of me about yesterday. Yeah, I bought that during COVID, <laughs> so. That was a bad decision, clearly. <sighs> So the, those are big purchases. I mean, that's that's fair and reasonable. So, Maddie, um, what else have you been doing? Because I mean, you got married sort of through all this, and you know, you've you've kind of been you know nesting a little bit, you and the honey. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, timing. You know, timing's everything sometimes. And uh, we got hitched in early February, so. It's and that's been- the first big test, eh, of the old of the old nuptials. Is get get married in February and then all of a sudden, by the way, now you're you're isolated. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When I'm not here, I'm at home basically. Um, so it's been a it's been a it's been a test. Um, sorry, I was just noodling around. What was the question again, Shane? Uh, well, I'll just read the texture question. Um, <laughs> what did you buy, Matt? And the next question says, "So you're not talking to me, Matt? Was it the Red Yeti thing? It was not the Red <laughs> Yeti thing, Rob. I think I think the Red Yeti thing was great and." To just explain, I think that was put forth as a band name or as a nickname, a um, yeah. which you would it would be way shorter if it was just ready. Yeah, just I, Red Yeti's an awesome name, and Rob, thank you very much. Uh, what what I I got a it's called an Epiphone uh, ES three thirty five. In short, it's if anyone's familiar with the blues guitarist BB King, it looks like his guitar. It's big, it's black, and it's uh it's just this hollow bodied instrument that just sounds delightful and smoky and resonant and just a joy to play smoky i think i described it as sexy earlier too yeah it sounds like a dating profile it it's gets it kind of gets that real um does it it really (laughs) i'm just i'm just i've heard i've heard that it's like a relationship well yeah if you're i mean if it's your tool for creative expression, you kind of develop a little bit of an intimate attachment to it, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even though it is just like a piece of wood yeah, and electronics. 877-399-9898. Dale in Calgary bought me a new car. 
another texter says first edition history books. That's your COVID made me do it. Um, uh, trucker Dan COVID made me do it. I'm such a dork. I went and bought all new towels and bed linen. Oh, that's funny. It's funny. We're such different humans and everyone goes to buy different things. It sounds to me actually, uh, that you're nesting a little bit there, Dan, you know, maybe you're building a nest up a little bit. I always call it a nest because I have a thing for birds, not like actually for birds, but I just feel like humans are kind of like birds. We build nests. Anyway, uh, that's a nice guitar you bought, Matt. Congratulations. Thank you. I have a red one as well, and it's currently in the shop. My COVID made me do it was starting a sports cast, sports podcast from Ryan in Port Alberni. Congratulations, Ryan. I hope it's successful for you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio.